Here we are, day 22 in our Romans reading plan. We're reading through Romans 12, 1 through 8. And once again, we have our campus pastor out at Buchanan, uh, Ben Curtis. Ben, how is it out there in Buchanan? Things are going really well, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we won't step into the enunciation of uh, Buchanan-Buchanan argument. We've, we've done that, and it's fun. Uh, and as much as you and I enjoy it, I don't know that other people enjoy it as much as we do. Uh, More for of an those, inside joke. Yeah, I know. We, we, uh, it, it's a special place with special, special people, no matter what you call it. The uh, ministry you shared with us about your family, the move. Uh, share with us a little bit just about, I guess, uh, your history in ministry, if that's all right. Yeah, so I've, I've basically been in more of a senior pastor role for um, 20 years. Um, started out here uh, in Murfreesboro in one of the churches uh, in Rutherford County when I was in college. And, um, and then most recently, uh, as I went to uh, actually serve my home church, served there for 11-plus years, um, we just kind of began to sense uh, that God was doing something different in our hearts. And so Mandy and I both, we just uh, agreed to pray. I mean, at first we were confused. We didn't know if maybe God was calling us to missions. Uh, we just felt like it was going to be different from what we had been doing. And so after praying for about a year, uh, we just came to the settled conclusion that God was getting ready to uh, change us, uh, move us, and we were open to whatever. And then uh, interestingly enough, about after we made that decision, about two weeks later, uh, I received a phone call about this uh, position at New Vision, and um, the rest is history. Uh, things began to move really fast at that point, and just in a matter of about six weeks. Um, You're here. Yeah. Man, got a house. Yep. And kids in sports leagues. Yep. Running full Enjoying speed. Enjoying it. We're happy you're here. Well, you want to you want to take us through Romans twelve, friend? Absolutely. Oh. So, as we start in Romans twelve, you know, really up to this point, I mean, we've had eleven chapters really of just this heavy hitting doctrine. You know, we've we've been talking about uh, how we are all sinners, we're all guilty before God. We've been talking about how there's no hope for us apart from the gospel. And so we've had all of this doctrinal teaching, and then you know, I, really Romans twelve is kind of a division in the book where. The question becomes then, in, in light of all of that, in light of all the, the teaching that we've received, in light of the gospel of Jesus, what difference does it make? You know, what kind of believer uh, does the gospel produce? And Paul at that point says, I'm glad you asked. And so uh, in Romans 12 through 16, what he's going to do is he's going to show us how this uh, transforming grace of Jesus changes everything about us. It changes our relationship to God. It changes your relationship to yourself. It changes how you relate to other believers within the church and, and how we relate to those even in the world, the people that still don't believe. And uh, so the gospel not only saves us, but it, it sanctifies us. It makes us more like Christ, and then it sends us out. Uh, Romans 12.1, uh, we'll begin reading there. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
So Paul's kind of taken us back to this Old Testament imagery. You know, you have this worshiper at the temple who comes with an offering, and and he's probably not thinking about a sin offering because Jesus, after all, is our sin offering. But in this example, this analogy, the offering he's probably pointing to is the uh, the whole burnt offering of the Old Testament. And the idea was that it was just a way of showing, like the whole animal was burned up. It was a way of showing that all that you had was at God's disposal, and that you were going to give God your best and not your leftovers. And so basically what Paul's doing here, you're saying because of what God has done for you, because of everything we have in the gospel and in Jesus, the least we can do now is to offer our lives and live our lives in surrender to Him, to offer yourself today and then get up and do the same thing tomorrow and then the next day, just on a regular basis, just continually offering ourselves to God. And that brings us to verse 2. Verse 2 is one of the first, really the first verses I memorized uh, when I was in college. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, you know, before coming to Christ, you know, we can probably all relate to this. We were just kind of shoved into the world's mold. Uh, we believed what the world said about us. We, we interpreted life the way the world wanted us to interpret it. And what actually happens when we become believers, a spiritual reset happens in our life. Uh, when we place our faith in Jesus, He begins to just completely, you might use the analogy of He reformats our hard drive, our spiritual hard drive. It's not just a, a system upgrade. I mean, it's a complete reboot. And, and it's only as we allow God's Word to reprogram and reformat our spiritual hard drive that God's purpose for our lives really comes into focus. And so that's where he says we're able to test and to approve what God's will is for our lives. As we reject the patterns of the world, as we allow him to renew our minds through the the word of God, as we give ourselves continually and surrender to God, that's the only way that we're ever going to discover our purpose. And uh, so, like, how many of you, like me, you know, you've spent years just, you know, being shoved into the world's mold and the, the world, what the world says is successful, what the world says would bring you peace, what the world says would, would heal your wounds. And, and the world says that life is all about you, but God says, hey, life is found in serving others. Uh, the world says that life is found ultimately in accumulating stuff, but as we've seen uh, in our Never Enough series before that God says that true life is found as we're happy and we're content with where our feet are at. And, and so God speaks in a completely countercultural way to us, and he, he changes the way that we think, and He changes the way that we live. And, and here's one of the primary changes that, that God wants to make in our lives. If you look at verse 3, He says, "...for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought." but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And so God is basically saying one of the big changes, He, he wants us to keep our ego in check. And, and God reminds us not to be arrogant and not to be prideful. Why? Well, because pride is sin, and it will lead to all sorts of other sins like entitlement and an inflated view of self and bigotry and discrimination and injustice. And all of those things flow from a heart that says, uh, this is who I am, and I'm better than you, and this is what I deserve. So the world would want us to categorize ourselves, you know, like junior high kids do, based on whether or not we have real genes or fake genes or, or real Toms or fake Bobs. The world says, this is what matters. But God says, none of that matters at all. The world would say to us, you know, make a name for yourself. 
God would say, hey, it's really not about you. It's about, it's about him. And so it's, it's ultimately, it's not about our individual accomplishments. And so, you know, we think about as the church, when we come together as the body of Christ, it really doesn't matter, you know, how much coin you make. It really doesn't matter what car you drive. We are equal. And when our hearts are aligned with the gospel in that way, we begin to do something that you'll never see in the world. We begin to reflect God. The world tells you to be independent, but God actually tells us in these next few verses that we are interdependent, uh, that Christianity is a, a, is a team sport, and we bring our uniqueness and we bring our individuality together for His glory, and together we begin to reflect a more complete picture of God. So, so what I want us to do is just kind of look at this idea of spiritual gifts beginning in verse 4. I'm going to read there verses 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. So Paul is beginning to use this body language to show us that uh, just as our various body parts are interdependent, uh, our interdependence uh, in the church is in one another. We all have this unique gift, and we all have a unique ability that we bring to the table. Verse, uh, the next verse says, verse 6 says, For we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so when he, uh, when he uses that phrase uh, in, in that text, uh, pneumatikos means spiritual things. So, so these are not, when we talk about spiritual gifts, these are not just natural talents. Uh, spiritual gifts are supernatural gifts that God gives to believers by the Holy Spirit, and he wants us to use these gifts to build up and to point people to Jesus. And so uh, I've got a couple of things, rather than just focusing on each specific gift, just a couple of general things that are taught in the Scripture about spiritual gifts. Uh, one, every follower of Christ has been given and, and has been indwelt by the Spirit of God. If you want to look up Ephesians 1.13, uh, you can find that truth there. Uh, the second truth that I think we need to keep in mind is that every follower of Jesus has been given at least one spiritual gift. Now, some may have more than one, but we all have at least one, 1 Peter 4.10. The third truth that I would say is that spiritual gifts are distributed by God. So, you know, I can't really get mad if, if, if I don't have Robert's gift, uh, you know, in music. I, if I don't have that ability, I can't get mad about that. God gave me exactly the gifts that he wanted me to have, uh, and we can find that truth in 1 Corinthians 12.11. And then fourthly, every believer, we are all called to exercise our gifts for the good of other believers. So, so not a single spiritual gift is given so that I would benefit from it. It's always about building up others. Number five, no one gift is given to every single person. And this is found again in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, no one person is given every gift. So no, so no one can look at other people and say, hey, I don't need you because I've already got them all. We are all lacking. It's, it's kind of designed this way that we're all lacking some, spirit, some of the spiritual gifts, and that's why we need each other. That's why we're interdependent. 
And the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that we are better together than any of us are alone by ourselves. And maybe the most convicting one is this truth, number seven, each one of us should be aware of what spiritual gifts we have, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Uh, so do you know what your spiritual gift is? That's a question. And then finally, number eight, each of us should be actively involved in developing our gifts. So if you have the gift of teaching, you're responsible to develop that gift. No one else can do that for you. Uh, and I think what the Bible would teach and what we would hope for everyone is that 100% participation in the use of our gifts is assumed. We need every believer involved. And what that means is two things. Number one, some of you, some of us, uh, we may need to discover our gifts. Maybe you're a new believer and you don't know what your gift is. And so we may need to discover our gifts and then to put that gift into action. But others of us, some of you maybe already know your gifts, but you've kind of retired them and you need to get them out of the mini storage because the body of Christ functions the best the way God has intended when there's 100% participation. And, you know, I'd just like to kind of close this talk with uh, the question of how do we find our gifts? And I want to just give you four simple steps. I know I've kind of used some lists in this talk, and that may not be the best, but uh, if you'll just hang with me, let me give you four simple things you can do to discover your spiritual gifts, okay? And uh, number one is you could just begin by going back and reviewing the chapters in the Bible that address spiritual gifts. So the main chapters are Romans uh, chapter 12, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians 4. And at this point, it might even be helpful as you read through those lists, it might be helpful to take a spiritual gifts inventory. Uh, there's one that we use here at New Vision. You can just Google spiritual gifts survey at churchgrowth.com if you want to take that one. But, uh, but what you want to do in this step is just look at those lists and then just try to narrow the list. You know, how do you do that? Well, you do it the same way that you took a multiple guest test in college. You know, you look for the ones that, that definitely are not you, and then you cross them off the list. And then you look at the ones that you think you might have, and, and you add them to your list. Well, the second thing then that you could do, so you have this list, you've already kind of narrowed it down. Take that smaller list to some of the people in your small group or maybe some of your church leaders and say, hey, can you, you know, look at my life and help me narrow this list down even further? And then after you've done that, I would just suggest, third, just go and do a field test. You know, if you think that uh, you have the gift of teaching or the gift of mercy, just put it into action. And uh, if, as an example, if you think that you have the gift of teaching, you know, maybe ask your small group leader if you could test that out in one of your group meetings. And, you know, if everyone falls asleep, then maybe mark that one off of your list. Uh, but the point is this. Get involved in some area of ministry, um, and, and we won't make you serve in that one area until Jesus, you know, returns. So if it's not for you, you're, you're free to tap out and try something else. Uh, but, but do a field test, test it out, and then finally write down that one gift or those couple of gifts that you think that you have, and then ultimately get plugged in, put them into action, get involved. And if you find that other people are affirming you, then you need to become an expert in that gift. You need to see, you know, what does the Bible say about it and study that. And maybe another question, who else in the church has this gift and could I hang out with them and learn from them? Uh, but, you know, as we step back from Romans 12, the world would look at this and say, hey, we all just need to sit back and enjoy the show. But God says, you are the show. Uh, he, he's calling us to reject the world's mold 
Uh, don't let the world force you into its mold, but instead to be transformed through the renewing of your mind. And so he's calling us, get involved, you know, find your gift, put it to use. And when you do that, you'll have the joy of the Lord and you'll sense God's approval on your life. Robbie, that uh, wraps up uh, spiritual gifts, or maybe I should say it unwraps spiritual gifts, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it back to you. Man, that was, you are the show. That was a strong, strong landing point, man. Great job today. So grateful for you and your ministry. Glad that you made this move to Murfreesboro, Buchanan, Buckhannon. Thank you, friend. Those listening, thank you for joining in. We'll see you tomorrow.